Dude, I'm coming in hot. (laughs) (laughs) You're so out of breath. You're undugging your shirt. You're undugging your shirt. (laughs) You're so... Well, it's funny. I bumped. I I bumped him to four (laughs) forty-five. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, you got plenty of time. (laughs) Wipe your wipe your sweat off. I could have. You're ready. You're you're ready. No, seriously. If he would have popped on, I'd be like, "Let's go." (laughs) You right now. You are the most interesting person in the world. My goodness. While I'm like pit sweating in my church clothes. The shovel falls down where the spirit calls, down where the earth it meets the bone. The mighty lay down where the women pray. So we'll see if he messages back. But let me tell you about this guy. So you could imagine you're living your life. Things are going um, pretty well, I guess. But then, yeah. You go to sleep one night, you're in your bed, you're oblivious to the outside world, okay. and he backs his tow truck up to your car, and he snaps uh, your driveway, and it's gone. Yeah. And the guy that we're talking to today is Repo Man Sam. No kidding. So did, so did you meet this guy when he was repoing your car? <laughs> no. No, he hasn't repoed my car yet, but he lives, he lives, he lives, he's, he's he's repoing somebody else's car. He's like, excuse me, my buddy and I have this podcast. I'd love to talk with you. Excuse me, sir. The the other person is just crying. Don't take my car. What's going on? This is so cool. (laughs) I can't believe this actually happened. I know. Man, I went through, I had to jump through hoops and bounds. I couldn't remember my pin number. I haven't used this computer in so long. Like I always use my one in my truck. So I just. And I had to go through Google and do a whole bunch of stuff to reset my pin and all that. Dude, you but did you're, it. But you're here. I'm here. I'm this here. is fantastic. Okay, so so I'm Joe, by the way. Hi. You're you're Sam. Sam, right? Sam, Sam I can see that. Sam, Rush was Rush was telling me a little bit that one of the ways in which he had interacted with you, and I didn't I didn't know about all this, but that you have this Instagram account, I guess. I do. I do. Yeah. So it's, so tell me so tell me yeah so so tell me a little bit because he was just telling me so tell me a little bit about this uh, this this Instagram thing that you're doing and what you know how it relates to you being a repo man. Uh, I mean, it's really just I really just record what I do for a living. Uh, just re, I repo cars. Um, I work probably fifty to sixty hours a week repoing cars. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, no just, kidding. Yeah, I work. I work. I get my kids every Saturday about one o'clock, and if they have, if they have, like my daughter plays basketball, so she has a game. I obviously go earlier to her games and stuff. But yeah, during the week, I'm pretty much a loner, man. I pretty much am at the house or, or working. I'm- Tell us about what it's like when I watch you. <laughs> I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous for you. You seem a little bit nervous. You seem a little <laughs> amped up. And yes. I can imagine, you know, like, yes. like 11 years of experience. What, what has that been like? You had amazing experience. Uh, I'm sure. It's really, it's an adrenaline, it's an adrenaline rush every time because you just never know what you're about to run into. Yeah. You know? um, 
I've been shot at a few times. <gasps> what? Wait, for real? Hold on a second. Stop. You, you've been, oh, you've yeah, been shot sure. at? There's one video on there that I, it's on there. It's, it's like one of my first videos that I put on there that actually got me going on there is a guy, you know, I was kind of laughing because he was chasing me. Uh, he came out, I didn't even he think came he out of his, his car. came out of his house or is he out? This is at he night. Was in another vehicle and like pulled up to my vehicle, pulled up. Like I was repulling oh. this car, kind of like what you just said. It was an apartment complex. I pulled it out, dropped it. And I was going around to the front of it. He pulled up in another like old beater car. And he just got out nonchalantly, and I didn't even see it. But when he got out in his waistband, he had a gun. No. And I didn't even see it. Oh man! And uh, so I like grab it, pick, grab the car, and I start rolling away. And he starts running down the road, and then I saw him pull the gun up and point it. And when he pulled it up and pointed it, I was like, "You can just see my face go white." Oh my I'm goodness! Like, oh, here we go. And then you just hear pow. He popped, and I don't think he was shooting at yeah. me, but it's a warning shot. It was enough to put me into shock put it to you that way i was in shock like my life was flashed before my eyes i was crying after it was all said whoa um you know thinking about my kids and thinking about you know here i am you know out here just trying to make a buck and my life could have ended that quickly how does one how does one was that something that your career counselor in high school said you know what you'd be really great repo guy maybe work at a grocery store maybe be a military (laughs) navy seal you know, or a physician, like how did, how does one become, and is it called a repo guy? Well, like, is that, let me ask you that in there, Sam, how old are you? If I'm you 35, are, I'll be 36 30, in November. So you've been doing this for like 10 or 11 years. Yes. Yeah, this is my right? 11th year doing it. So, yeah. So how did you get into that? Uh, well, uh, I was in a, I was in an AA meeting and a guy came in and he was struggling really, really bad, uh, just trying to get clean. Mm. And for whatever reason, I took a liking to him. And I went over to him after the meeting was over and got to talking, talking, talking. And uh, they had this position open where you just drive a car around and they call them a camera car. And it just scans plates. It's scanning every license plate it goes by. And if the car is up for repossession, it'll let this computer inside the car know this car is up for repo. And it'll give you a number to call the lien holder on the spot. So we'd call the lien holder and get the order repossessed emailed to me for that particular car. And he was like, man, we really could use you if you'd like to try it. And I just, prior to that, I I had gotten in a lot of trouble as a kid. Um, Didn't really have any, I, I was in college and I got, and in college I got in trouble for selling drugs as a kid and didn't have anything worthwhile that I could make money. Yeah in the near future or in my site. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. He told me how much money they made. That was quadruple what I was making at the time. So I got into it. I started helping him. He started helping me kind of that way. Um, and about six months into it, um, they had an opening for the truck and he recommended me to get a, get into the truck. And I was the youngest one in the company to get into a truck. They put me into a truck and gave me an opportunity and the rest is history. Now you had now you had mentioned you had mentioned the meeting. How how is that how is that meeting community? Because I I assume when most people talk about the meeting, they're talking about AA. Is that what you're talking about? I am AA. Now, so talk to me a little bit about that. How how was it helpful to you? And tell me a little bit about this community. Um. Well, for me. As a kid, I really think it started off like I just never felt a part of. Um, mm-hmm. My parents got divorced super early on in life, and uh, it was a terrible divorce, like terrible, mm-hmm. terrible divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I saw, so when I first found alcohol and drugs in general, um, I got some relief cause I just never felt a part of anything. So I got some kind of relief. Uh, I could dance better. I could talk to girls mm. better. I could do everything mm-hmm. better. Wait, Jose, could, you can dance, you can dance better. Yes, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> in my own mind, it is. Yeah, right? What's your what's your what's your baseline? What's your baseline dance skill level? Are you are you an are you a B? And this is you're going to A or <laughs> no yeah. no you no no Sam Sam totally answered it. It was the best. He said I dance better in my own mind. That's it. In my own mind, everything's better. And in actuality, uh, it's not. <laughs> oh man, I I I. I that that kind of uh, I appreciate that because you said that I go wow is that really but I think you're saying like but yeah but you were just saying that that using using gave gave a sense that that who you were or the things that you were wrestling with and who who you were and the hurt of that that it gave you a, a different place to be am I hearing that right absolutely it's it's just an ease of comfort man like i just yeah. always felt like i just didn't fill in or fit a, fit in with anywhere i mm. played on numerous basketball teams I, I had numerous girlfriends along the way but i never felt like i had any kind of like love for myself for one at all period mm. and it didn't matter what anybody told me you could tell me i mean if i go score 30 40 points in basketball it didn't matter i still yeah. didn't i still always focused on the negative always looking at the negative parts of life and and myself, especially, and just never felt good enough for anybody really. And when I picked up that drink or drug, it just changed everything. And that, that was at the beginning, you know, at the end of it. Um, and I say the end because it's a, it's a lifelong battle, man. I haven't been, I just recently got back into AA and got sober February the 7th of this year. Mm, um, good, I had, I had like three years sober and COVID hit. And when COVID hit, that gave my mind an opportunity to go hide and run from everything. And I did, I did. I ran and hid for, like I say, almost three years, three, three mm, and a half wow. years. Um, and it got gradually worse. You know, it always does for me. Just, just, it's never just like jump off the cliff bad. Um, what is, for me, Sam, always, Sam, Sam, can I ask you what is, when you talk about worse and at the end of it, what is that? What did that feel like for you? Um, for me, it's it's isolation. It's complete and total isolation mm. from everyone. Um, not letting anybody know where I'm at uh, mentally, physically, or spiritually. Um, it's it's doing anything to serve myself all day long. Um, running the show completely. There's no God consciousness. There's no. There's no. Um, there's not letting it, everybody's at arm's length. And a lot of people are further away from that. Um, it's a show all day long. It's a show really. Mm. I'm just putting on so I can get alone. And when everybody leaves me alone, mm. I go back to that. Um, Monday through Friday was much like that. I would work. And uh, in the middle of that, in the middle of working, uh, I would definitely, I, I mostly was smoking pot all the time, mm. like all the time. Like that's the easiest one to hide. So I just smoke pot all the time, throw clear eyes in and keep it moving. And then it just got worse. You know, drinking, drinking turns me into uh, definitely a loner. Definitely. I can't just like go out and drink around people and do that. It's just not me. Um, it's it's total hell. It's prison. out. It's prison. But you're not locked up. You're in prison of the mind, prison of the spirit, um, physically in prison because I, I don't want to leave my house. I want to be around anybody. Um 
And so when I'm not doing that, you know, I got left with, uh, when I, at the end of it, what it, what it became was just complete and total isolation. Monday through Friday, complete and total isolation. Friday night, come home, wake up Saturday, try to, you know, withdraw and go through as best I can before I get my children, mm-hmm. get my children and, and put this, you know, this smile on and make sure everything's okay and not, they don't know anything. And, you know, Saturday, Sunday, I'm, I'm with them. And it, it usually was a lot of just resting and chilling. And then when they go home, man, like I literally would drop my daughter off last usually. And when I dropped her off, like I would watch her walk into the house and I would just start crying. Like every single week I would just be crying because mm-hmm. I knew what was about to come. I knew what was oh, coming man. down the pipe. And yeah. uh, that torture over, you know, what, three years of, of doing that um, got me to the point where it was either I was going to get sober or I was going to off myself. You know, that's just kind of where I got to. and. um I chose the opposite. I chose to pick up the phone and call my sponsor from AA and just, you know, emotionally broken and, you know, just let them know where I was at. And the wild thing about it is this, this community of AA people, um, they were the first people that I found that actually didn't matter who I was or what I was. They loved me no matter what yeah. they loved. Me. And they cared about me and they didn't care what I believed in. They didn't care what I didn't believe in and care what I had done. Um, they just showed an outpouring of love, no matter what, and willingness to help me, even when I wasn't willing to help myself. And so my, like throughout these three years, my sponsor would like come by my house and leave notes on my truck and leave notes on my car and be like, man, please call me. I love you. Um, I'm willing to help you. I know what's going on. If you're not contacting me, I know what's going on usually. So that's what I did when I dropped her off that one, that last Saturday or Sunday, I, I called him. And was just like broken, crying. Mm, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I need some help. Wow. And uh, he immediately came over and picked me up, took me out to eat, and we went to a meeting. And I've been sober ever since. Well, praise God for that, man. You, you're really talking. You're talking about some really heavy details of your experience, and mm-hmm. I think that is really helpful for for anyone to hear. Uh, because there are, you know, there are people that don't understand, and uh, there's a certain stigma that comes along with that. But when you hear somebody who's been through that, really yeah. express and heartfelt, and, yeah. and and not just heartfelt, but in with understanding, you're you're talking in clear, experiential terms that are, is easy for for us as we're sitting here hearing your story to understand. It really is. It really is striking. It, it made me wonder too. You know, you're, you're really talking about moving from a place of isolation and darkness into a place that's brighter. There's community and support. So in your, in your best moments on your best days and weeks now, what, what do you think is the big difference in community? Obviously you have your sponsor there. There's a support group. Who else is in your life that really is making this difference and kind of helping to hold, hold you together and keep, keep you focused in the right direction. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Yeah. Uh, I have a, my mom, my mom and my stepdad, they're, they've all, they've never given up and it took a long, like our family has just been, it's, it's, I wouldn't say genetic. I don't believe it's genetic, but throughout our lives, we lost my uncle to alcoholism. Her mother was a, a big alcoholic. Um, it's, it's in the family. So my mom's always known there was something going on. Just didn't know what to do really. Um, nobody did really. And so my mom is a big, big proponent of, of love and happiness and, and help. Um, my stepdad as well. 
Um, all my friends, even my friends that I ran around with, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's a crowd you run around with. And I could say that when I was early on, but all of my friends now, they, they know there's a problem. They just never gave up. They love me. They, mm. they accepted me anyways. And they're always happy when mm. I'm in recovery. They're mm. always yeah. happy because they know wow. there's a, yeah. it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, one of these, one of these themes that you're talking about is love and in particular unconditional love right that there that there's a there's a there's a power in being the recipient of unconditional love because it comes with belonging that i don't have to be somebody i don't have to do something right. that that essentially that who i am that someone would actually love and to be able to uh, give that unconditionally and invite belonging and relationship, I think, in some ways that that I'm <laughs> I'm actually able, I'm actually able to be known by somebody else, like like what Rush was talking about, the ability to to speak clearly and to speak truth, no matter what it is, my ability to do that, to speak truth and to be known, is because. I know unconditional love. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody would, would, um, would be willing to say, right? Like the reality of who I am. If I didn't know that there was someone or a place that I would, that I would still belong, even though somebody knew me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing, Sam. Like when you're talking about that, the, the brightness of what your experience is, you go, wait a minute. I, I can be known and I don't have to go into isolation because I have a confidence that I'm unconditionally loved by the community of which is moving towards me. I mean, am I in the ballpark? Am I hearing that that's right? It. That's 100%. It. Man. That's spot on. That's, that's power. On. I mean, that's powerful. So tell me about your kids. Cause obviously, right. I mean, again, what do I know? But I, but I get a sense that if you've experienced that kind of unconditional love, your your commitment as a dad yeah. would would be to express that right it sounds like you got two great daughters right you said that before i've got a, yeah. I've got a daughter that's 11 and i've got a son that's daughter almost son. three okay the reason so, whenever i went into the the whole relapse process um his mom was pregnant with him and and covid had just hit and um so we're, we're just sleeping one night normally as we normally would. And she woke up and she had like, you know, she was bleeding and we didn't know it was like a lot of blood. So she went to the bathroom, was bleeding a lot. So we were thinking, Oh, here comes a miscarriage. Okay. Like that's what we were thinking. Yeah. And uh, so we went to, we took, I took her to the hospital and her water had broken already. And she was, I mean, she was still like, she was only four and a half months into pregnancy. Wow. So, we ended up staying in the hospital in Rock Hill, which I was begging them to get me out of there as soon as possible because I just had terrible experiences there and wanted to get to Charlotte. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed there for a day and a half, got to Charlotte. Her water had been broken for three days, and she still kept them. And then they went ahead and did a C-section. So he was born, you know, he was as big as my hand, like a pound. He was a little over a pound. Wow. And so we had a preemie in the midst of – in the midst of uh, – COVID, so no one else could come and see him. It was either oh, me or her. That's yeah. it. Hold on, hold on. You had a preemie in the midst of COVID. Yes. Wow. So we're in the NICU 
the neonatal intensive care unit for like four months, almost five months after he was born. And through that struggle in there, it was like one day we would go in and everything would be good. The next day we'd go in and just touching him broke three ribs. The doctor broke him. We we couldn't even touch him. He was in this incubator thing. Yeah. Wow. Then after he broke the three ribs, he had, um, he got pneumonia trying to heal. So, I mean, we'd go in there one day and they'd be like, all right, he's doing good. The next day, but he's not making it through the day. And then it was like off and on the whole time. And I, in the middle of all that, I'm like, I'm coming unglued. Like I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you who, who, what was, what was keeping you, you guys together, um, you know, during that time, just personally together, but it's enormous, enormous weight, enormous uncertainty. It was bad, man. It was really, really bad. Um, it was hard. Uh, we both, obviously she was in shambles, but I, I wasn't capable. I had already relapsed prior to him, prior to him coming along. So it was just, it was, it was very tough on me mentally, like mentally, spiritually, I was just gone. Like I would, I would leave out of there and just question what was going on. Like what, why am I even here? Why am I going through this all the time? Just driving around Charlotte, trying to get a break from it all and then come back up there and, and try to be somewhat together. And and I wasn't. I mean, I just I wasn't, man. I was I was on the edge for sure. And in the midst of all, you know, back and forth and we we she couldn't stand it. She couldn't be with me. I couldn't be with her. She's in the military, so she was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And those weeks that she was gone, I would have to go up there and I say I would have to go up there, but that mm-hmm. literally is what my mind was saying because I was not in any shape to go into a hospital and be around doctors and nurses and all that but i pushed through it and um we had the masks on so i could like somewhat hide who i was or what was going on but it was extremely tough man it was extremely tough you can imagine life i don't know 10 years from now what would you what would you hope for i mean you've you've come from a really hard season i mean Mm -hmm. again and and man thank you by the Mm -hmm. way sam i mean just absolutely I mean, just the the courage and the beauty of the honesty of talking about your story and even and even allowing Rush and I that when we look at those three years and even just recently um, jumping back in and choosing sobriety and talking with your kids just for whatever it's worth, just thanks. I, uh, and I, how would you as you imagine sometimes about what life could look like five, 10 years down the road, do you think about that as to what, what that could look like for you? Yeah, I do. Um, I think from, I, I think if it was, if you could ask me, what could I want, what would I want out of it? It would be to be in some way, shape or form able to have a, have some type of business to where I could help people that don't have any money. Get off of drugs and alcohol. Not like uh, mm. not like the normal rehab facilities where you run bill insurance, blah 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 blah. Because most people that are doing drugs and alcohol, or to the extent that I was, they don't have any of that help. That's not there's there's no way to get that help. So, what do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? The financial help. There's no like a lot of people should. A lot of people feel like, oh, I need to go to rehab. Yada yada yada. And I had been through a lot of those things when I was younger. So I kind of got the, 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 the experience of how to detox myself, how to go through those things Okay, okay. Um, already. And there's a lot of people that are older than me or even around my age that are now falling into the addictions and uh, a lot of the prescription pills, man, these prescriptions are getting a lot of people these days. But, right. Um, right. 
how you know just a way a way for people to come do just like what we're doing right here be able to sit down and talk about it and be like how what what's what's a plan what's a plan to get me out of this what i'm in right now and i think that like the first couple of weeks of or month is the hardest part that's where people relapse the most is because when you're detoxing and you're going you don't know what your brain and your body's actually doing you don't know what's going on Mm. And in that process, that's the darkest time. Like that is the mm-hmm. darkest time for all of us that come through that uh, situation. And if there was any way to even keep people for ten days and let them let them get through that first ten days without having to pay a dime, just people yep. there pouring on love, pouring on you know the facts of what's going on with your body, and be able to help you through those ten days. Um, man, I think that's I think that's a huge huge thing we're missing in this world. Well, Sam, mm. I really hope, I really hope that you're able to do that because I, I mean, obviously every, every time we do an episode like this, you know, Joe and I don't, we don't know you, we're just getting to know you, but even the time that we've spent, you know, <laughs> no, like, I mean, I'm like, I'm, isn't it odd rush? It's like, it, I mean, Sam, I'm telling you, it's like, we've just spent some moments together, but I just, um, my heart is so endeared to yours. And for I think sure, it's because yeah. of your because of your honesty. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable how perfect strangers can actually have a genuine moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And anyway, it's just, it's interesting, Russ, when you're saying that, it just dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute, I feel like I've I've been yeah, <laughs> like I've I know. known Sam for a long time, even though <laughs> even though we've got a few moments together. But you were saying, Rush. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, for those reasons that Joe's mentioning, I, I hope this I hope that you're able to do that because it's just obvious from the way that you talk, you you are the kind of person that people who are struggling in particular, the way you struggled, they need someone like you who has a grip on the struggle itself has a grip on what it's like to come in and out of it and move forward, who is able to talk compassionately about it, who is able to see the kind of space that people need in order to, to make that forward progress. You know, Mm. there's a, you know, I I wonder if maybe even your, uh, your current work may end up flourishing into that some, because, you know, some of that I've learned this a little bit from a a local business here that, that um, actually is a, is a fried chicken place, but Mm -hmm. the whole business model is about transitional employment. And it's about helping people who are coming out of really tough, you know, histories and, and problems. And the key to all of that, uh, to their model of business has been, we've got to give people some space. We've got to give them a chance to move forward. They're going to stumble. We're going, Joe was talking earlier about unconditional love. We're going to, we're going to show you some love and give you some room and, 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 and give you a way to get momentum. You know, I mean, that's, that's what I think is so hard. I mean, your experience with, uh, in particular with addiction is, is really a human experience of escape. I've been thinking about yeah. that a lot oh, lately. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. when you're in that mode, it's hard to get any momentum. One setback stops your momentum and you, you have to kind of like you have, you have, you've gotten into a lane where you you've gotten rolling quite literally, you know, mm-hmm. in, in your with with your business. <laughs> <I'm> just gonna time out on that. That was that was so cheesy. It's not cheesy. Oh, it's totally it's a, cheesy. Oh, it's a little cheesy. I mean, you were going in, so cheesy. You were going oh, in, no, you were going in for the warm hug. I totally saw it. 
<laughs> like you were moving in towards Sam, and you're even giving the warm hug, and then you run, then you want to be rolling. I mean, right, you know, on. no pun intended. I try to be serious. <laughs> okay, so, no, I, I'm trying to be serious totally, here. Like, no, Rush, you were totally moving in for the big hug. It's and it a, was awesome. I just it's want to a miracle. It's a I miracle just... that this thing ever works. <laughs> Talk about momentum. I'm trying to build momentum. <laughs> I said, no, Give me some space, Joe. No, 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 no. Go back to the hug. Go back to the hug because I'm with you. I'm telling you. But you're saying that, yeah, the life's yeah. getting on, on a – I just moving. think, Sam, uh, we're being genuine. Like you are the kind of person that can really make a difference. And I think that's, I think that's an awesome thing. I hope, I really hope that that, that will be in your, in, in the future as you've laid it out in your plan. And I'm going to make you a promise, Sam. I come through Rock Hill every now and then. And the next time I come through Rock Hill, I'm going to get in touch with you and I want to meet your kids. And then we, the three, the four of us are going to go, we're going to go eat pizza Yes. And then and then and then you and I are gonna go repo some cars. I would I would love that. That's so great. <laughs> it's worth it. Is it is it worth it? Joe, it's gotta be worth a flight. Is it worth a flight? That's expensive. It's expensive, man. Gotta, it's not worth the flight. It's not <laughs> worth the flight. Don't well, do that. Hey, Who knows? All that it, you wanna know what it just just the thought of rush. In the truck with you that that's enough for me i'll take that for a while. <laughs> i'm ready right, rush for sure. i am ready all right well listen until until the next time man thanks uh thanks for thanks for hanging out today it was good to be with you thank you guys god bless you both man dude that was a good one something else yeah wow i just you know what it just goes to show that somebody who is who's on the backside of brokenness has a freedom to live honestly and yeah. in love. Yeah. I'm just like, and, and then this deep desire to care so that others might be yeah. able to experience what they've experienced. And I just like, I was, I was, oh gosh, I just was overwhelmed by his clarity and his humility and the joy, yeah. the peculiar, the peculiar joy, you know, yeah. and it's still rough, right? It's still rough. Oh like, yeah. It's still not, obviously it's still not a like, battle. It's not like he's saying, yeah, it's not like he's, he's saying, hey, whatever. He's like, he's like, Hey, Hey, this is, this is reality, but oh, yeah. there's, there's a joy there because there's purpose. And, and, it, man. and he highlights his experience and even the way that he just, we talked together today really highlights the the value of that humility. You, you said it a second ago, you know, you're coming through that. He comes out with this, just the humility puts you in such a position to be just open to people willing to share your story, willing to understand and, and and extend grace to people. I mean, what an amazing thing that he's, he, he just wants to, you know, people can say a lot of things when you ask them, what's, what are the next five years of your life look like? And to say, I want to have a business that I can just help people move forward. That was a, that was a really, that was a really cool moment. Yeah. I I tell you what, um, and it also, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I just, I was so uh, amazed by three, three guys, like, 
because we never we don't know this guy. Right. Not at all. How 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 human beings have the capacity when you show genuine interest yeah. to be able to be able to connect. And what I loved about this in particular and everything that we're doing here is yeah, yeah, we're making a podcast. But it really is a it's a these conversations are That's so a real thing. Beyond like no, making it, a podcast yeah. like to do something cool. No. I mean it no. is cool, but it's no. really like the cool part is just whoa. Yeah. You just, just you just shared yeah. your life. Dude, no joke. And, wow. and it's just an excuse. It's just an yeah. excuse to do to do what we're doing. Yeah. And I, I just uh yeah, that was cool. Love hanging out with you, man. That was fun. Thanks. I do too. Episode four of The Most Interesting Person in the World releases next Friday. So subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Father Man and Jesus.